Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Tell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. Jack It's a party. It's a party. It's a party. There are 318 days until Kentucky is playing in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Adam Luckett, I, I can't wait. Did you just look that up right now, right before we came on air? Yeah, you know, I've been counting down the days a little bit. Have you been humming pig, suey, razorback in your sleep this week after a weekend down there in Fayetteville? It, no, actually, I actually thought it was, Woo Pig was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, of all of the potential. It is when you see a lot, of, like, I saw it. Walking into Kroger Field, I had walked through the hog walk, uh-huh. got stopped. It's cool when there's a it, lot of yeah, people, like in is. unison. It is now, if cool. you just got like Bobby Petrino up in front of people doing it, like, of course it's awkward. Right. You know, Brett Bielma, not so much. Sam Pittman looks yeah, oh, good doing it. Oh, yeah. Sam Pittman fits in perfectly. But yeah, I was down in Fayetteville this weekend. It was, it was a pleasant surprise the entire trip. I just wrote a post on KSR, and uh, y'all can go read about it all. Um, but Fayetteville's very nice. And that whole area up there, Walmart's really done wonders for that area. <laughs> it really has. I mean, hell, they got Top Golf. We can't even get Top Golf in the local. They have Top Golf down there? They got Top Golf. Wow. Yeah. So they got a little bit of everything. It, what also is cool about just their campus, too, it's kind of like what uh, Mitch Barnhart's trying to do put everything right next to each other. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, it's Bud Walton's right next to. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Right. All, all right there in a row. They got their softball, baseball field. That baseball field is pretty massive, too. Yeah, I know that. They're pretty big baseball. Yeah. They, they take it, they base, take it serious. Mm-hmm. And Bud Walton's badass. Is it? Yeah. Like, they they have the thing where, like, the lobby you walk into, it's all their trophies and, like. Did they sell a beer at the game? Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. Well, I thought $8 they, specials. I thought they passed. Now, I will say, you're not going there to pound brews. Those lines are way too long. Right. Way too Vanderbilt, the same way for the football game. I know. Year. There's only like two vendors. I don't know why you don't have more set up. I think they're just probably filling it out right now. I think some of it, too. Football is a much easier game to, like, leave your seat to go get a beer. Basketball, stuff happens fast. During a basketball timeout, like, I think if you timed it out perfectly, you get two before the game, and then you get two, at like, right right before the under four timeout. Mm-hmm. Well, you start – you leave your seat with, like, a minute until the under timeout. Yeah. And then you stop in the exit, watch the maybe the last yeah. couple plays, and then as soon as it hits, then bolt for the line. But, I mean, it's it. 
basketball just in general, much more difficult to leave your seat because, you know, there's much more action going on. Whereas, like, football, mm-hmm. you know, it might just be a couple plays here and there. You know, you can have a punt and then a timeout, you know, change possession kind of stuff. Right. Um, but it was still – it was kind of nice uh, to have a, a cold beer while I watched my game. My dad, too, by the way. It was, it was great. He didn't say it. But he kept his beer in his hand the entire second half, even though there was just a tiny sip <laughs> left. And I know it was pure been like there. superstition, been like there. just like got the beer in my hand. They're playing well, and then uh, of course we were being just that last when they won that fifteen on run. I mean, right. we were just woo in control the whole time. And then they made their run, and then Kentucky seized control of the game. I bet it was a fun brand <laughs> to be in there in the last five six minutes. It was so much fun, especially like everybody was standing up when Cal got ejected. I mean, it sounded. Right. It, I, it was loud on TV. I've that been, was the loudest by far it got. I've been to the 12th Man. I've been to Sanford Stadium. I've been to a lot of places that are just are rocking. Swamp, whenever – like, they made that run mm-hmm. at the end when Kentucky was leading. Like, those places get loud. I've never heard an arena that loud. Now, granted, they have the benefit of it being tighter and smaller. Right. But it was hurting my ears. Like, when we get overmodulated, it sounded like overmodulation in my ears to the point where I couldn't hear. But still, it's not a small arena. 20,000 people. 20,000? Yeah. That much. So, like, it was it was a good time. I highly recommend. Uh, I'm Actually, it's going to be nice when the, the football team goes back there, and I believe 22. Or, that sounds right. 22 or 23, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, right around the corner. Um, but I, I went off the top talking about SEC championship game because I'm just freaking pumped. Big Snack is officially back. He is. Phil Hoskins. Number 92. Announced that he has been officially cleared to uh, return for a sixth season. Mm-hmm. Um, he got the medical red shirt. Yes, yes. So it's big for Kentucky's defensive line, Adam Market. Right. That means Kentucky's going to have three senior starters. <laughs> Talk about Quentin Bohanna, Phil Hoskins, and Cordell Looney. And then you look at the backups. So all of a sudden, those guys that we saw the coaching staff make it. Emphasis to mm-hmm. get playing time. You know, you're a bully, a body Fitzgerald's or Davion Hawkins, Quay Mahone at times, mm-hmm. plus Marquan McCall. Now you got a nice little seven man rotation potentially, and that's not even counting the freshmen they redshirted last year and, and then the, the guys the freshmen they brought in. in right? Yeah, your Josiah Hayes's, your mm-hmm. uh, probably not Samuel in LA, uh, but your Justin Rogers. Right. Like Amar Stewart, he's got a good problem, and he's got a full tool shed. And here's the thing, too, that our friend Derek Terry, who I've talked to him a lot about this, he's all in on Josh Pascal being that defensive end instead mm-hmm. of Cordell Looney. Just because we learned this year Pascal's strength is run stop, run defense. And he's really explosive as a defensive end. But by outside linebacker standards, you know, he can he can be kind of put on an island sometimes. If, and if you can play Pascal there – you can kind of disguise some of your fronts where your personnel on the offensive side, they might be a little confused on what you're in because you can go to that traditional 3-4 or you can look like you're going to be in a 3-4, but then you just get in a full-out pass rushing type situation where you put one of those outside linebackers just head up on And how much fun is it to, if you're Brad White, to draw up zone blitzes with Pascal dropping back in the flat. Right, and that too. <laughs> like in the, little another, hook, in the hook zone right there. That's another like, those are, thing you mix in. Those are my favorite interceptions too when the quarterback thinks he has an easy slant mm-hmm. and you just get the defensive end dropping back and bam, right, right there. And Hoskins, that's probably what 
he brings best to the table is that pass rushing ability. Oh yeah, and the athleticism to create some negative plays. He where I think when you look at Cordell Looney, he's more of a strike and hold a block down and plug a gap. Where I think Hoskins has more of a knifing ability where he can potentially be a playmaker on the defensive line. Hoskins was one of those guys who really thrived when Derek O'Blanc came in because Jimmy Brumbaugh, he was more of a we're going to read and react type defensive line coach, whereas O'Blanc was like, okay, you've got to do that sometimes, but like if if maintaining gap integrity means just busting ass and creating some havoc in the backfield, then so be it. And that's where we saw Hoskins play well back in 2018 was he was just good at raising hell in the backfield and just kind of blowing up plays. Even if he didn't make the tackle, it just it caused a lot of disruption. And having that back, having that experience back, it's huge. And, I mean, that was the, the, the one area where you lost some dudes on the defensive line. You're, you're not really losing guys. I mean, you, you're losing players, but – There's production that – T.J. Carter and Calvin Taylor obviously collected that will need to be replaced in 2020, but it's not just the defensive line that's going to replace that. It's for the number of sacks you're going to defend on your edge guys, your Boogie Watson. On some of those tackles for loss, hopefully we'll see more inside linebackers get involved. Last year, that's not something we saw. The year before, it was. We saw Cash Daniel, Jordan Jones, busting through, getting a lot of TFLs and run stuff. Maybe we see more of that next year. So, obviously, there's production that those guys produce that, that they're going to have to be replaced. But the biggest thing is just the depth and the bodies. When you go down the roster. And the experience. This is what it's supposed to look like. You've got seniors with experience that are starting. You've got guys that you slowly brought along, but they're not going in their cold. They have playing time under their belts. And then you have good recruits coming in to push those guys. So you have kind of a hierarchy that's set right now. And for a first-time defensive line coach at in, in the Power 5 level at least, you know, he's coached at App State one year. But, I mean, he's inheriting a good a good position room where there's, there's talent, uh, there's star power when you look at some of the recruiting rankings, and then it's a balanced class where you've got seniors, juniors, sophomore, freshmen. Yeah, pretty stability. Split. And, like, guys who can, like – Carry the locker room. And if you all have never uh, – I'm sure a few of you have actually spoke to Phil Hoskins. Phil Hoskins is like a stand-up guy. You know, some of those you, who – and that's not to say that others aren't, but like he's a grown-up, man. He's like been a Juco. He's been through a lot. And he's one of those two that like you're sitting there waiting for media stuff to happen and you'll just start like having a casual conversation with him just because he's like – he's just a cool regular dude. And to have that in the locker room – it's good to have example for those young guys to really follow by. And if nothing else, you're going to have that. Um, so, pumped to have Big Snack back in the lineup. Uh, the potential weak links, there are none. And Kentucky, rocking and rolling, man. And I, I know we've got a lot of time before we can talk more about this team, but it's it's just freaking excited. I know. Well, the defense, just in general, has a really good chance to be special next year. When you look at some of the pieces, some of the pieces they lost last year that they're getting back in the lineup of a Hoskins, a Devontae Robinson. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we're all going to get excited about the freshmen, but people are forgetting about Kelvin Joseph, 
they're getting a top 50 prospect and a legit NFL draft pick, potentially, and they're going to throw him in somewhere into the secondary rotation in a secondary where they're returning pretty much every player outside of Jordan Griffin. And they lost Jordan Griffin. They're replacing him with a guy who started over him the year before, <laughs> Devontae Robinson. So, like, there's just a lot of pieces there. I think getting Chris Oates full-time at the mic, you're going to see a defense that's a lot more athletic, a lot more faster, because if you if you have a fast mic, you have a fast defense. And then they return everybody at the edge. I mean, you just look position by position. It's very easy to get excited yeah. about about next year. And then when you look at Brad White, what he did in his first year to put together that defense after losing all of that stuff they lost off the 2018 unit, to do that in 2019 – They've got a chance to be, I mean, really, really good, potentially maybe even the best defense this program has ever seen. I think that's the oh, potential I, of that group. Well, yeah, that, that's what we're looking at is can this, in fact, be the, the – that, that's the storyline going into the year. Not like how good is this defense going to be. It's more of a will it live up to the hype and be the best in program history because it has all the pieces to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, I, I don't know how – like, I haven't I mean, gone so much depth. I mean, there's depth – and pretty much every every spot. Well, in just in my lifetime, there's only one defense that even comes close, and that was 07. You had a bunch of pros on that, uh, from Jarman, Pryor, Peters, uh, to Wesley Woodyard, Braxton Kelly, Trevard Lindley, Marcus. I mean, there was a lot of dudes. Not as near as much depth. Mm-hmm. Not as near, and and I, I I don't know what the numbers were off the top of my head, but I know they're scoring defense. They were giving up a lot of points. Like Kentucky had to outscore teams to win. Back in 2007. Now, going further back, like, I, I'm i not as well-versed. And, obviously, the game was played much differently. But, like, just the overall athletes that you're having on this team. It's mm-hmm. – it's it's they're going to have high expectations. And uh, rightfully so. And uh, Brad White's going to be well compensated for his efforts. We finally got the, uh, the financial – the dollar figures on these contracts. Josh Moore pulled up on uh, the, 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 the the contracts are officially official on UK's website. And there. White, he was getting paid uh, – $600. He, he was getting paid six twenty five. Right. Now he's up to eight seventy five. So a $225,000 increase. Mm-hmm. And in June 2021, that's going up to $900,000. Uh, Three-year contract. The, yeah, and then nine twenty-five the year after. So mm-hmm. that goes, that's kind of how they structure. I these. think on these assistants, three years is kind of the max. I think mm-hmm. so. They'll give them like what they're doing. They're giving them extension, but it's only extending them out till it's three years. Yeah, three yeah, years. Yeah. So because Eddie Grand got one as well. He signed mm-hmm. that right before signing day. And Grand's, uh, he got bumped from eight hundred seventy-five to nine hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. Um. And, I th- and that's going to stay the same it's staying the until same. the end of his okay. contract. Okay. Because I think on his other one, it went up a little bit each year. But I yeah. guess they just went ahead and gave him the highest one it was. Yeah. 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 They just went ahead and did that. Um, kept him right under a million, which I think if you started paying your OC a million dollars at Kentucky, it would raise some eyebrows. Nine fifty. that's, you know. But when you look around the league, that's becoming more and more commonplace. Million-dollar coordinators. Tennessee's got two of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's Alab- No, I don't, I don't know. I don't think Alabama's so paying Kentucky's them that much. Be close, I right? Mean, they're right there in the conversation. Yeah, they're 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 paying competitive prices, mm-hmm. um, which is good to see. Uh, Bobby Petrino, 
He's not, he won't be making a million dollars. No, no. Well, he is because he's still getting right, paid right, a bunch right. of money from Louisville. Right. Uh, um, the Missouri State Bears will not be paying him a million dollars. Ah, man. We should have stopped by and said hi to him. Maybe got an exclusive interview on the way down because that's the way we went through to get to Fayetteville. Went past Springfield. The fact that they go to Arkansas next year is just <laughs> perfect. It's just perfect. Hey, you know, some people wanted to bring Bobby back to Arkansas. Well, it's happening, folks. It's happening. And – Look, do we do we think this is gonna like? Are they gonna be a blip on any radar at all? I don't think so. Uh, Petrino's won everywhere he's been. Like we can talk, make fun of the little gig, but it eventually blows up. But even he has a good run before. It yeah, blows he up. he injects some juice. He's just been good about leaving before it, go, it completely falls apart. So for him, he's probably gonna win there. I'm not surprised by it. His brother is the head coach at Idaho FCS school. He still got that job at Idaho. Mm-hmm. How? Wasn't he like up in a bunch of like uh, investigations and stuff for like mistreatment of players and stuff like that? Maybe I'm not, I don't remember hearing that, but that wouldn't surprise me. His son is UT Martin assistant coach. You think he'll bring? He'll I bring would him imagine up? so. <laughs> so I mean, that, I don't think that that should be too big of a surprise. And let's let's be real. He's not assistant material, assistant <laughs> no, coach material. No, 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 no. He's not going to take orders. He want he's a head honcho. He's the guy in charge. Bobby Petrino, like so. The last time he was an offense coordinator was for Houston Nut, right back in uh, Arkansas. I think 04? he was a Jags offensive coordinator before he took the Louisville job under Tom Coughlin. He, I know, no, I remember specifically him. I don't know if it was for Auburn or for Arkansas. But I remember specifically at a New Year's Day. Uh, I got he was Auburn OC under Tom. It was Auburn too. Okay. Before so, that, in 01, he was the Jags OC. So it was just a year. So I, I remember that specifically because it was New Year's Day, and we were at like a New Year's Day party at somebody's house, and Auburn was playing in like Outback Bowl or whatever the 11 a.m. kickoff was, mm-hmm. and he had six points in the third quarter. And my dad was like, "Oh man, this great offensive coordinator coming to Louisville, <laughs> getting six home points in a ball game." It was it was. I remember those barbs quite fondly. Um, but now he's at Missouri State. Can we can we get him on the schedule? Sure, why not? I mean, Cats big fans of OVC for uh, the uh, FCS game. You know what? Why, why not play Bobby? Quick bio blast on Missouri State. They've been the FCS playoffs twice. Haven't gone since 1990, where they lost to Idaho first round. Oh, rematch. Petrino Bowl. Their last, let's see here, one, two, three, four coaches ended with a losing record. Yeah. So this is a program that's in a pretty good conference. I believe Missouri Valley has North Dakota State oh, in I it. I thought they were Ohio Valley, not Missouri. Yeah, you're right. They are Missouri Valley. So uh, they got um, let's see who's Illinois who's. State. Yes. Um, Current members, Indiana State. Oh, Sycamores. Sycamores. Well, Petrino knows Northern all North about State. them. Yeah, North Dakota. <laughs> Northern Iowa, who's also a FCS powerhouse. And then South Dakota State, who's also really good every year. So that's just three schools that I know off the top of my head that are good. And, of course, Bo Pelini's Youngtown State Penguins are in that league They're too. They're in the Missouri Valley? Mm-hmm. Huh. So that's a, tough, that's a tough damn league. So my question to you, do we want Bobby to flop or do we want him – to like be good enough to like be on our radar. I think we want him good enough to be on. It's content, man. We're gonna get something good out of this if he's hanging around. 
Yeah, like if he puts up like 80 points in a game or something like that, right. and they play like an AI team mm-hmm. in their warm-up. Yeah, they'd be f- – ooh, but like I think the most – Or fun- if he just gets his teeth kicked in at the FCS level, I think a lot of people would get kicked out of that So too. just whatever he does, just be entertaining. Just him being involved is, I think, going to be a win-win um, for everybody involved. I know there's a lot of little people upset talking about the transfer portal and this and that. but Transfer? What do you mean? Like They're – that their players are jumping to the transfer portal. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because – but it's right, it's one of those things. Like, Bobby's a big risk-reward. Like, he'll make you good. Yeah. That, but you just like got to deal with him like, being a dick. Like we just said, that's a program that's in a tough damn league. They get their teeth kicked in probably most years going up against the Bison and Northern Iowa and South Dakota State. So, this is a chance. They got a big-name coach. It's a chance for them to, you know, make – Make some, make some big splashes and potentially go after it. They're taking a big swing, and I know they know they're taking a risk with Bobby Petrino, but I think they see it as what, what you know, what could go wrong. Yeah, we stink anyway. And to all the people who are like, this is taking away somebody else's opportunity to be a head coach. No, it's not, dude. College football is the worst about recycling people. Actually, the NFL football, is the worst about football recycling in general. People. Yeah, yeah, like. I was listening to Von Miller talk, and he was listening to our coordinators. Yeah, it's like we got three head coaches. Like, you got a couple of failed head coaches, and Pat Shermer and Munchak, like a bunch of dudes who had, like, one year. Football in general, they just recycle people. So, like, oh, what was me? They look you out get- for each other. Yeah, and, like, oh, somebody was going to go get that job and then suck at it too. Like, come on. It's it's fine. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll be just fine. Um, but I um, – that, that hire happened. The most interesting hire, though – was the one made by our good friend Mike Leach, friend of the program. The the content gift that just never stops giving, the Egg Bowl. Another day, another podcast, another Egg Bowl discussion. Have you noticed that he uses Twitter like people our parents' age use Facebook? Oh, yeah. He's big on memes and uh, dad jokes. Riddles. Yes. Absolutely loves him. Um, ooh, let's... Did he get a new one? A new? T- I, I used to follow him. I think I've, he's got a new one. Um, let's, let's read some of his uh, his content. Read the one we? about the Tupperware and the murder. Oh wow! Yeah. A murder? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Um, let's see what I get. He tweeted a picture of a bologna sandwich and ruffles. Yes. It says, "Follow me for recipes." <laughs> Good joke, Dad. <laughs> The best murder weapon would be a Tupperware there weapon. There you go. Because nobody would ever be able to find it. Is he wrong? <laughs> no. No, not at all. Classic dad joke. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I can't even explain this one where catnip maybe. I don't know why men go to bars to meet women. Go to Target. The yeah. Female to male that. ratio that is 10 funny. to 1, and they're already looking for things they don't need. That was a good one. Yeah, very good one. <laughs> If at first you don't succeed, then skydiving isn't for you. You know he's just on some website and he sees these jokes and he's like, oh, that's funny. I want to put this on Twitter. <laughs> I will say, though, Mike Leach, the best advice he's ever given, Mike Leach's wedding advice, for any of you folks that are out there planning on getting married, take it from two married guys. Mike Leach's wedding tips are perfect. because yeah, it's it, a good video. Because it really is, uh, essentially what it boils down to is like, here's the thing. You're going to get asked about a bunch of stuff you don't care about, but you have to act like you care about it or they're going to get mad. And so really your goal is just trying to 
pick what she like trying to read her mind to what she really wants and choosing that. If you can do that, then you're gonna have the most successful wedding planning experience. So Drew Franklin, there you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. But Mike Leach hired a defensive coordinator. He did, Zach Arnett. We were we were waiting to hear Stolen from Syracuse. Syracuse had just hired him, <laughs> hired him like, like a two, week ago. Yeah, yeah. I was just seeing stories written like two days ago about mm-hmm. what Zach Arnett brings to Syracuse and Look, it, it's about as uh, out of left field as I expected. Yes. Now, Arnett runs – he comes from Rocky Long, who just retired from San Diego State, and they run this three-three-five stack defense. And it's it's a unique look. So, it'll be a, the only <laughs> defense could, in the conference. People could have seen your facial expressions so. when you said unique. It was like somebody had just farted, and you were like – you tasted it. Like, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, oh. Now, but, with, you, you, but you didn't want to like say anything and be rude. With that said, they've been that that San Diego State team. They won a bunch of games in the Rocky Long, a handful of conference championships. They did it by running the ball and playing defense. So it was ball control offense and then uh, aggressive physical defense. So we'll see. Now the with, numbers were great, mm-hmm. by the way. They were second. Right. In the nation in rush defense and second in the nation in scoring defense. Mm-hmm. They've uh, been he they've been that San Diego State program has been really good. Now, how it kind of fits in with Leach is people think when you think air raid, you're just thinking throwing the ball sixty times, mm-hmm. going fast as possible, scoring a bunch of points. That that's more Leach's predecessors. That's what like Cliff Kingsbury did. Mm-hmm. That's what Neil Brown did it like Texas Tech, where they're going a million miles an hour and all that. With Leach, it's not really like that. It's more of a ball control uh, space attack, where they're just spacing you out and they're picking you apart with the pass, but they have a very high completion rate and the ball is always moving, and that prevents the clock from stopping. So it, it protects his defense in a certain way. Now, he's had trouble filling good defenses, mainly at Washington State because they just couldn't attract the a personnel. But it gets back to Mississippi State. What can Arnett do with, you know, some of those pieces they're going to get? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that three three five works against some of these well, ICC defenses. Because, well, let's be or fair, offenses, it's, kind of, it's kind of a junk defense. Right. It works well in mm-hmm. these leagues where, like, like Rich Rod, it was great at West Virginia because he had to beat two other good teams. Right. So – if those teams couldn't handle the look, then it kind of threw them off. Um, takes it to Michigan, doesn't work. Uh, I mean, it was the same thing. Who did um, – Kentucky faced twice this year. Virginia Tech was like a 4-2-5, so not necessarily the same. Mm-hmm. And then I, I keep forgetting the FCS team this year that played it, the 3-3-5. UT Martin. UT Martin, yeah. Just really just bizarre. And it's because you need to like – Well, you, you, you play it when you don't have the big dudes up well, front. You have to bring five to be considered a blitz. Four is just regular procedure. Yeah. But it makes it in that in their front with how they align, that fourth rusher can come from anywhere. It can come from a bunch of different spots. So really it's a confusion based defense. Confusion based defense with speed and quickness, as much speed and quickness as you can get on the field. Now, coming in the SEC now, or we talked about in the West, where they're, everybody's pretty much opening up the playbook now, it might be the best time to bring that defense in yeah. in a certain way. 
Well, and in the offense, too. So, like, mm-hmm. now's the time to try it out. But it's just bizarre. Like, it's just so non-Mississippi State. You know, you're used to just my test sweat, Jeffrey Simmons, just a bunch of big uglies. Right. Just getting nasty in a 4-3 mm-hmm. and just botting you up. And Which is the whole X factor in this hire is is what can a leech coach team what can they do on defense with this talent that they've never really gotten before well and they're getting um uh oh man errol earl earl thompson earl back, thompson's back who had a kind of disappointing year Kyle, colin hill's back which that was a surprise why what what are you doing colin i mean they're having all of their guys travis etn too would kind of in that same regard was a big shock but when you look at Running backs in this draft, okay, it's pretty daggone stacked. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. I'm I'm thinking of some more. I'm I'm drawing blanks on, but I know it's a stacked running back draft. Yeah, yeah. And, we got we got time and, for drafts. And now you got yeah. Chuba Hub, Hubbard and Etienne and Kylan Hill. I think the draft, how stacked the running back position is, is I think it? that maybe persuaded them a little bit. Is all I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. But Callan Hill, I think he sees, you know, I, I can go out and prove that I, I can play in space too. I just proved I can run the ball in between the tackles. Now I can prove I can go out and make plays in the passing game. I feel like Jalen Hurd at Baylor becoming a receiver right. kind of deal. Right. Um, which, you know, good for him. He's going to catch 70 balls in that offense next year. What just a weird, like, it's all so weird. This, this, the fit, everything's weird. But he's going to have some pieces. He's going to have some pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy who used to have his job, uh, it's official, Joe Moorhead going to Oregon. Offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator, which he he doesn't give a damn where he's going to in this country, I realize. Like, he's just well, like – Well, his whole life he was in the Northeast. So, I guess he's just trying to see some new sights. His whole life. Then he goes to Starkville. Now he's heading out to Eugene. I mean, he, he can run his offense out there. Mm-hmm. But – And the Ducks host Ohio State in week two. That would be, be a big that'd game. be cool. Mm-hmm. Being at Austin Stadium for that? Mm-hmm. be fun. Uh, that, that's a place I'd like to go to. Austin Stadium? Yeah. That'd be real cool. It's a cool-looking place. Rich Brooks Field, too. It is? Yeah. Oh, what a guy. And, uh, but he's going to work for, you know, an offensive line coach. So, guess what that offensive line coach is going to want to do? Run the damn Run ball. Run the damn ball. So, <laughs> Moorhead, we've seen the last couple of years he's wanted to – you know, get a little too cute with the passing game. He's going to have to recommit to being. You know, we're going to run. We're going to run the ball and establish the run. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of coaches moving and shaking, LSU's all of their coaches are like, "See ya, Coach O." He assembled his superstar staff, million dollar coaches. Now he's got to get a bunch of new ones. He doesn't have Dabo's magic dust. Dabo somehow has kept. His coordinators there. It's got to be the blood of Christ. There's no other explanation. For some reason, they will not leave Clemson. Venables, at least his kids there. So, I mm-hmm. okay, that adds up. But, in, well, Chad Morris left. That worked out well for him. That was ended up being an upgrade almost, <laughs> getting <laughs> Tony <laughs> Elliott and Jeff Scott. Now, yeah. Jeff Scott left. Yeah, he left USF, this year. But USF, he wasn't yeah. the play caller. Tony Elliott's the play caller. He flirted with a Georgia Tech job last year. I think he wanted the US, UCF job when it came open. He didn't get that. So, he's obviously being picky. But he's been able to do it when no one else can. 
Saban's staff, that was the one that just got pillaged over and over and over. Look at all his defensive coordinators that are coaches, even Jim McElwain, Lane Kiffin, all those guys got jobs. Now, Ed Orgeron runs the table, has this awesome year. What happens? Carolina Panthers say, Joe Brady, come be our OC. Baylor Bears say, Dave Aranda, come back to Texas. And now now we're going to see, now the real test for Orgeron begins. His legacy was cemented with that national championship, but he has a chance to go from or be just an LSU legend to be something special because there's only a few coaches that have a couple national championships. Yeah, and he um, – the thing that I – And he has a real shot to do that at LSU. Like – because this this happens. I think you mentioned before that, like, all of their the, – the three co- – LSU has four titles, all with different coaches, but mm-hmm. three of them, I mean, that was really kind of their crescendo. Saban's case, he went to bigger and better places. Les couldn't find that magic in. And Les, Les did it early and then could never get back there. Yeah. And, and the thing, at least with Orgeron, is that he has a uh, – like, you can tell that there is this kind of – like, he's content, but there's like a, all right, what's the next thing kind of deal with him. So, I, it, just finding that guy that was going to be difficult. Um, I – I can't blame Joe Brady. Like, uh, I saw somebody tweet that, like, you know. That was always the move for him, no matter what happened. Yeah, uh, because they were like, you know, at some point in college football, how many people want to spend three hours of their day talking to 16-year-olds? And, that, I mean, Matt House, perfect example of that. Now he's in the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, <laughs> Joe Brady is essentially probably three years away from being an NFL head coach. Oh, yeah, especially the way that they're hiring coaches now. Mm-hmm. Like, if he does anything with Cam Newton, like, if Cam Newton is just – 70% of what he was his MVP season. They're going to be freaking rolling. Or if they trade Cam and draft a quarterback. What kind of pick do they got? They're middle of the pack in the first round, so they could get a Jordan Love or a Justin Herbert. Dude, Jordan Love. I, I cannot be more anti-Jordan Love than <laughs> any – like, he is the typical big hands. Like, he's going to do great at the combine, but he threw, like, 40 interceptions last year. He threw so many interceptions yeah, last year. I don't know who really to blame that on because Mike Sanford Jr. <laughs> went out there after he bombed the WKU. Oh, man. And went out there and took an NFL quarterback. Now, they lost a lot of pieces, but their offense took major, major steps backwards. And Sanford's somehow he parlayed coach. that into getting the Minnesota offense coordinator job. What are they doing? PJ. He got – Mike Sanford Jr. got figured out, man. He, he fails up. He's like Lane yeah. Kiffin, dude. He got it figured out. Oh, gosh. Um, but I, I'm going to get a little sidetracked. I know we were talking about LSU for a little bit. But Jordan Love, I saw the, the early uh, senior ball measurements because he's down there. Jalen Hurts down there. Did you see Jalen Hurts' helmet? Yeah, half and half. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think of the half Alabama, half Oklahoma helmet? It doesn't bother me. I mean – I get it, but I don't know. What, what did you think? Do you have a hot I take I think it's kind of it? cool. No. Yeah. And especially because they're the I same mean, color. Right. Like, they wear what, – what is it Both with college crimson. football loving the crimson color? Like, I don't know. How many times is Kentucky – like, it, it's everywhere. But I'm just – for whatever reason, I've been just – I've been reading a lot of NFL stuff lately, like mock drafts and all that. Mm-hmm. And, it is mock draft season. And so much of the, the material is just flashing before my eyes right now. Like half – there was an NFL.com – it was just first-round mock draft. Half of the players were SEC players, 16 of them. 
Is it, that the DJ one, Daniel Jeremiah? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Daniel Jeremiah. Move the sticks. Um, he had McCott Becton for That's what I was about to say. That was crazy. That seems crazy high. But, but yeah. people like who they like. It, it shouldn't surprise us. I think it's going to – like, it's not going to surprise me when all these quarterbacks go high, but I just – I don't know. I get a little weary of some – like, half of them are going to suck. Uh, and some of them – It's the biggest crap shoot in sports. Yeah, because, I mean, it really is a, a – you could end up with Patrick Mahomes at 15th. Or you could end up with uh, the dude from Memphis. Um, Peyton, Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch, yeah. I knew it was a douchebag name. Paxton. Or you can get a Jerry Goff. Looks like crap, then, but he gets a good coach. Plays well. You give him a bunch of money, and then it's like, well, was he worth that so much? Then, well, you get a nice <laughs> three-year run there where you go to a Super Bowl, go to an NFC championship, but also you lose the Super Bowl, and now you've got committed all this money to him. So it's just you just don't know. It, it's a crapshoot. And but the, the port the position so important that they're just these teams are just willing to risk risk it all for yeah for yeah. What I do love though is we're getting uh, you know offensive guard isn't the sexiest position for all these draft nicks to be talking about. But we do get your 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 videos of workouts. You know, you'll get like especially with the senior bowl going yeah, on this week. Yeah, you'll get your Logan Stenberg burying a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and he, he measured it at six six. Uh, I, I I forgot the weight on it, but like he's he's gonna be one of those guys who's gonna be in the NFL for a while. Like we're we're seeing Larry Warford right now. He he signed his big deal with the Saints and then Pro Bowler every year. I know Mel Kiper is talking big stuff about Lynn Bowden, how he loves him. But everyone else that I've seen They all have Stenberg higher. Yes. That's what's gonna be my where I was getting at. Like no, I don't see Bowden in any of the top hundreds. I would almost go on out on a limb right now and say Stenberg's gonna be picked before Bowden. Now it only takes one team. Yeah. Yeah. But Stenberg's gonna be up there as one of the top guards in the draft. So if that's the case, you're looking at probably third round. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe even the back end of the second round. Maybe, but that's a maybe. Depending on need, mm-hmm. you know, it just—it's all about. Well, yeah, that position—it's a little down the totem pole, obviously. Yeah, I think. And were we talking about it last Unless year? Unless you're the real deal. That's why when Quentin Nelson got drafted, yeah, was, that that was ridiculous because he was a guard, but he was just so damn good. Well, and it's because a lot of it, offensive guard is the leftover position mm-hmm. in the NFL, like. You you know they're centers, they're tackles, and you can kind of move them. They, well, they can all go down to guard. In the NFL, they just call it IOL, like centers and guards. They're interchangeable parts. Mm-hmm. So every guard that gets drafted in the NFL will most likely cross train at center. But man, the fact that like Stenberg is six six and three thirty or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I mean he he's gonna do well. I think he's gonna interview well too because um, he's a very matter of fact, yes or no, sir. Kind of you know. Kind of guy. He's got a lot of going to get a lot of penalty questions. Oh yeah, going to get a lot of those. But I think, especially on the holding ones, so many of those are reputation based. Mm-hmm. Like just so many. I think Stenberg's going to do well. The Bowden scenario, it's going to be a uh, because he could have a very volatile draft process. It's similar to how Benny Snell got drafted, where it looked like he could fall pretty far. And then Steelers, the one, the one team, yeah, Mike Tom loved him. Watch that Florida game. Right. So they just. They decided to scoop him up in the fourth round. I think that's what's going to happen with Bolden. I think we, you could see him maybe slide a little bit, maybe pass the third round. But there's going to be one team potentially. Who knows who it is? Mm-hmm. Could be like, go, let's go and get him. I um, 
What's what also I think is interesting too is him and KJ Hamler went head to head in Citrus Bowl, mm-hmm. and they're very similar players. Uh, Hamler's probably got more top end speed, right? But they're very similar, and yet they've got such completely different draft grades. And I think it really is based purely off of Hamler had a quarterback. Why not? Not nineteen. Right. He didn't in nineteen. Kind of did, but. I mean, that guy stinks. I forget his name, but he's not any good. Sean Clifford. Yeah, he's not any, Yeah, he's not any good. Um, but the year before, he had – and now that guy's name, I can't think of him either, the little dude running Trace around. Trace McSorley, Baltimore Ravens. McSorley could at least get him the ball and get him the ball in space, and really the only complaint was him not getting him the ball enough. I think that they're pretty similar players, but their draft stock is wildly different, and I'm just wondering who's going to pick up on that or not. Like, if there's an NFL team that's going to do that or not. Obviously, there's a long time to go for the draft. We really, with Hamler, that. it's that speed yeah. that he has. Like, he's a guy, if he blows up the combine with that 40, he's going to probably get close to the first round. You can't. See, I'm not going to be – I don't. I think I'm going to be doing dad duty combine time, right? Well, it's late February. I'll still be around combine time. It's yeah. pro days that I'll probably be – I don't know. It's going to be getting mm-hmm. close because they usually have them mid-March. Um Pro Day was a lot of fun last year, but the only problem was is like Josh and them were so good that like this year they need pro days. Yeah, the guys going. Yeah, especially Calvin because I'm shocked he didn't get invited to like I the was. Shrine Bowl. I or was the Blue I'm Gray. surprised by that. Just some pure production alone. Like I get okay, maybe on Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl's a big deal, and man, those dudes are really falling in love with Javon Kinlaw right now down there too. Yeah, really he's falling, falling in love with him. Yeah, dude had a great last year. But I'm surprised Calvin Taylor didn't get invited anywhere. I was too. I'm really like shocked Like even the, the Shrine or the other. Blue-gray and all that. Yeah, I was surprised by that. The NFLPA Bowl, I was surprised by that. Telephone. But yeah, that's the pro day's going to be big for him. Yeah. TJ Carter, the same. Mason Wolf, he's got the size. Yeah. Someone's going to take a chance on him. On a, for a on a rookie deal, UDFA undrafted free agent. What, what do you think Cash is going to do? He's going to do anything. Yeah, what did he just play in? Honolulu Bowl or something? I don't know. I've, I've never. Heard it was of in it. Florida, wasn't it? The game. Maui. It was some tro- yeah. tropical bowl. That's yeah. what it was. I knew it was something tropical. So yeah, he's he's at be- least got some tape out there for them to look at. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I just who know who knows a Cash. But, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I think if the one guy that could get picked is Calvin Taylor and I got another – Ahmad Wagner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, somebody's taking the fight. Those right? two are guys that I could definitely see get drafted late in the sixth, late in the seventh round. Especially those compensatory picks where, like, you know, or what else am I going to do with them? But just make sure Bec- that – Because their ceiling is potentially so high and they're so unique that a team may be like, we don't want to risk losing them. Because then they can just sign wherever they want. Right. If they go out. So I can see that happening. Um, and I hope it does. Hope it does. Like those guys. Um, draft Twitter, too, is just really funny. Like the hand sizes and also just how they measure height in NFL. It's so bizarre. And that, that they've moved back the draft like a month, <laughs> it's made it even more oh, crazy. Man. How hilarious is that setup going to be on the Bellagio? Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have pontoon boats. When I saw that pontoon boat, I was just I just immediately thought of Billy Bob on the back of it, trying to pull the trigger, trying to get it started, just like kicking it, pouring oil on it, doing whatever, trying to get the damn thing going. I saw a Lions fan, I think, tweeted this out. I thought it was funny. He said, oh, great. Now the Lions first-round pick can immediately walk off the stage and drown. <laughs> <laughs> 
thing is too is like the Bellagio Fountain is like four feet deep, right? Like, how, can is it deep enough to even have like an actual boat? You know what I mean? Like, would you have to? Do you have a big trolley motor? Or oh, fan, I think it, better yet, for I want to say it's guys, a little deeper than you think. Fan boats for the LSU Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> Get Orgeron out there on a John boat, drive people back and forth. <laughs> Have uh, uh, Kathy Bates in her full uh, Mrs. Boucher uh, attire. Oh, mm-hmm. man. That's going to be absolutely hilarious. Um, pro bowlers, though. Cat's got th- three pro bowlers. So Darius got unstubbed. How, how BS was it that he didn't get invited originally to? Like, Khalil Mack got votes without the production just because he was awesome the year before. Right. Okay, that was a load of crap. Zadarius should have been in it. He got uh, – him and Josh both got picked up. First ever U.K. rookie to ever be selected to the Pro Bowl. First Jags rookie too, I think I saw. Yeah, first Jags rookie to ever make the cut. And it's the the most cats that have been in a Pro Bowl since 81. I, I, I went back and when I, was, when I was trying to figure out that stat, I was looking to see the most in a year, and Kentucky had four in like 63. And I, I thought that was going to be the last time. But they, they had Van Note, Art Still, and uh, one other guy I'd never heard of, like Frankel Master or something, who were playing in it in the 80s. Um, but I'm pumped, though, because my Josh Allen jersey just came in the mail. There you go. Got one of those teal ones. I'm going nice. to be rocking that a lot. Like, because what else am you going to be able to wear a teal? Come and edge you, Kentucky. Heck yeah. Edge you. Uh, did you see all the recruits at the, the game last night? I did. I did see the picture. Man, I got another – Basketball scheduling. Oh yeah, jerks. Riff. Well, why, why, why can't? Why is Kentucky not playing an SEC home game or any home game for like a month and a half? Well, Saturday. Saturday that's Saturday. why Saturday home game. Yeah, they're going six weeks without one, and it's really kind of screwed over Mark Stoops, which I actually was. Talk- that's ridiculous. You can't throw one bone, and now they kind of end where like the last three are at home. But like, come on. Right. You're just trying to give everybody else the, the home bump? Like, okay, cool. Get Let Arkansas, like, they sold it out. It was awesome. But, like, come on. I get they – but they do backload the schedules, or they try to at least, because that's when people start locking Karen in. Moore, it's yeah. in February. But that that's just ridiculous. That can't happen. Pretty ridiculous. But – so what they did is – Stoops is like, well, I'm still going to, like – I'm still going to bring all my big dudes on campus for home games. So – they made like I, the way that uh, Jagger Burton referred to it to me was like a select junior day, where they basically just like for these Tuesday night home games, they're inviting some guys from close by to like have more of an intimate setting deal. Where last night it was all the Frederick Douglass and North Harden guys in the 2021 class. There are five guys in those two schools alone, right? That are. Five of the ten best players in the so state. Burton, Maybe the top five just in general. Burton, Deckel Crowdis, yep. wide receiver at Frederick Douglass, just came back from IMG. Yep. Then at North Harden, you've got – is it Lavelle Wright? Yeah. Lavelle he's Wright, who – that dude, he could end up being a four-star back, recruit. Right. Yeah, he's a stud. So, those are the those are three then, big uh, ones right there. I think both, all Jordan, three of those could end up being blue-chip recruits. Jordan Lovett is the other guy from North Harden mm-hmm. who's – Wait, Riser. He had a really good uh, junior year, so he's starting to blow up. And he did a couple kids. So Cincinnati was the first one uh, to get on him. But they were all there. And the one thing that I thought was cool is that, uh, you know, he was like, yeah, we started a group chat afterwards. And 
I, when I wrote that post, I pulled up the picture from last year's junior day and was like, look at all these guys. Half of them committed, and like they're still uh, – Jordan Dingle is the number two player. Or is it Jordan Dingle? Down at, is the tight end at uh, Bowling Green? Yeah, I think there's a – There's there's a Dingle and a Dixon because there's a kid from Trinity that has a similar name. That I'm. That there's a Dingle at Trinity. He's a linebacker. Oh, okay, I'm just going to look it up then because it's going to make me mad. And I'm going to feel like I'm disrespecting the kid. Well, because there was a Dingle at Bowling Green. I believe he's at Georgia Tech now. That was a couple years ago. I think that's why you're getting it mixed up. Oh, man, this is going to just drive me nuts. All right, give me – okay, here we go. I found it. It's uh, – I was right. It was Jordan Dingle. Yeah, he's the, the, the tight end. That's the second-ranked okay. player in the state. Um, Jack Dingle. Is the Trinity linebacker? Right. I knew there was okay, a so we were we were both right. Two dingles, um, <laughs> but uh, he was in that picture last year, and I'm guessing they're just waiting to have the Bowling Green kids up um, until later. But that happened last night. They're having another Junior Day this Saturday when nobody's there. It's a little bit, I guess, broader strokes, if you will. They're gonna get Kai Sharon on campus. I'm sure they will. They, they had him on campus. Uh, it was one of the football games last year. But I have a feeling they'll get Kai Sharon on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's kind of the early recruiting efforts. They're going to have a ton of kids on campus this Saturday uh, without all the kind of glitz and glam. Um, but that's kind of what we're looking at right now on the 2021 recruiting front. On uh, In the high school game, though, Jagger, he's got a – him and Crowdis, they got a new uh, coach. They do. Brian Landis off to Georgia State. Yeah, leaving for Georgia State. Linebacker's um, coach. And if you're Mark Stoops right now, you need to go over and talk to the athletic director at Frederick Douglass and say, hey. Um, oh, yeah. So we know you're looking for a new coach. How about maybe like this guy who was just a graduate assistant for me, like a Maxwell Smith or a – you know, you want a GA of mine, just have your pick. Just right. take him. Just make sure that Jagger and uh, DeKal come on over to, uh, to UK. That would, that would help out. Yeah, because we don't need Clemson – Putting their nose in there, they've already got one. They're Walker trying to get Parks. two more. Mm-hmm. Just, just cut the crap. All right, let's let's get it. Because Landis, Landis did work for Stoops, and every year they would have a camp where like Terry Wilson and like a dozen other UK guys worked their camp. So there was at, at least at, at Frederick Douglass. Yeah, so there was a good relationship there. Um, so just if you're Mark Stoops, just go ahead and get you butt your nose in there a little bit. It's okay. There's no rules being broken there. Just, you know, make some recommendations. Rub some shoulders. Yeah, you know, or whatever recommendation. That, you know, that, that happens all the time. I, I mean, that's a big job because of the talent they've been able to acquire there at Frederick Douglass. So, be very interested to see who some of those candidates Man, end up being. The other big move was Justin Haddock's going I know. to uh, – Leaving the Corbin Redhounds, the former brother. I remember when Haddock's was a stud at Breathitt County back in I like 03, 02. Was an absolute stud quarterback. I think he went to EKU, correct? I'm not sure. That sounds about right. But he either went way, he went, yeah, that sounds right. He had Corbin won the state championship, not this year, but the year before last, mm-hmm. I believe, or at least had him in the championship game. Uh, Travion Longmire, he's a D1 recruit. He's got a couple of D1 recruits in there. Working to keep him. Instead, he goes to Boyle, which is just a factory. And Chuck Smith's gone. You can't blame him for going to Boyle, though. I mean, it's Boyle County. Right. Like, they're – <laughs> they're one of the ten best programs in the state, mm-hmm. with or without Chuck Smith. Even though he was the staple that made them, like they were good even without. Now they did it. They did have a rough run here lately, right before Smith came back. Yeah, yeah. 
Took but, a dip. But it's it's a big job. But in Danville, too, you got a lot to pick from there as far as talent goes. Mm-hmm. A lot of really – it's big. It's big talent. So you can have some success there. Um, lots of drama happening there. But the big thing I wanted to get to today, and we kind of joked about, like, what are we going to do? So part of it I'd like to have kind of a back and forth. I really enjoyed when we ranked our favorite college football rivalry games that didn't involve Kentucky. So I thought we'd kind of go back and forth with our own kind of list, talking about the seasons past and the and kind of looking ahead to next season to just make things fun. So I asked Luckett to come up with his best surprises of the 2019 Kentucky football season. And I've got about five or six here. There's probably going to be some crossover. And I think we all know what number one is going to be, but we're going to start from the end. And go with our greatest surprises, good and bad, of the 2019 Kentucky football season. Like it, what you got first? Weather. <laughs> the weather <laughs> was great. awful. That is great. <laughs> that is, yeah. And you know what? This is a year when you look back on it, Terry Wilson being injured and the rain are two of the three biggest things that are going to come up. Right. And Lynn Bowden. <laughs> those, are, those are the big three. Mm-hmm. The weather was just unbelievable. Even the road trip. Oh, man. That was – and, like, folks, I, I don't know if I can really put – like, we were sitting in this hotel, and we I just – leave if rain so bad. <laughs> just open the door. Well, still raining. And, like, it's one of those days where we wanted to be walking around campus right. and, like, you know, yucking it up with strangers. Nope, couldn't happen. It was just pouring rain in the cold. Yeah, so for me, well, that was the story. I mean, it was just unbelievably – Bad. And you can't do nothing about it mm-hmm. either. You just got to suck it up. Now, it was football weather. And then to end the season against <laughs> Louisville, that was wind, rainy, cold. And I, I mean cold, cold. The last two games, UT Martin, people forget about the UT Martin game, but how bad was that weather Dude, in that, that game? horrific. Like, the second half, there were some people that were upstairs. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, yeah. get out, at least get out of the <laughs> upper deck. Shield yourself from this wind. I know. And my, I, my dad, he at least had seats underneath the upper concourse. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, hitting him in the face because the wind was so bad. You right. Could, you, had, you had protection nowhere. It was absolutely terrible. Now, the one game it really helped, it's escaping me. It was one of those early SEC. Uh, Missouri. Yeah, like that helped, and it wasn't that bad. Like it was a fun kind of rain, wasn't too cold. God, that rain! It it'll wear on you though. It's mm-hmm. kind of like when you like we're due for a good weather derby. There's been too many rainy derbies in a row. Damn it, we gotta we gotta. No, we haven't had a really nice derby in a while. It feels like it's. I hear it's gonna be sunny. First derby prep race hey, Friday. Who'd you hear that from? Uh, it's, it's, that's what <laughs> I've been hearing. First derby prep race Friday in the Smarty Jones. I'll I'll, I'll I'm gonna. I'm gonna submit. I'm gonna tweet out my picks. There you year. go. That's what I was about to say. You need to. I need a corner because I was just hand, handicapped. I make picks for everyone. I'm in a derby fantasy league. I won it last year, so obviously I know something. There you go. Really, I just like hit one big race, but so I, I know something. Damn it. So uh, yeah, t- stay tuned for those picks coming Friday. My big surprise: no drama in the Justin Rogers recruitment, and really no drama in any of the recruitments aside from Michael Drennan. Like, that was the only – when he didn't sign in the early signing period, that's really the only, like, all right, what the hell is going on? Um, I guess the there's some kind of mystery around Torrance Davis, but he just told Travis Graff that he signed in, in February. 
So that just felt like a clearinghouse issue. Yeah, yeah. he just hadn't got his grades in order yet, so he could not sign right. early. So hey, no drama. The judge, especially I remember being at a graduation party. My cousin graduated high school, having a pool party, and I remember you know it's all summer afternoons where it's like all right, site's good for a while. You know, I'll just check check Twitter. Getting ready to get in the pool, and it's damn it. <laughs> and it was like Justin Rogers tweeted something, and everybody's losing their minds. But really, after that visit, after he posed that picture with Butch Jones, it was like, all right, we're good. <laughs> Nothing to see here. It, they did, man. <laughs> Some about the Michigan guys, they get them, and there's yeah. not much drama. They 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 commit, and that that's it. That's how it's gonna be. Good news. Good news all around. I, and from somebody who covers football recruiting, I enjoyed it because there's nothing more. Annoying. Well, I love – yeah, I love – I loved it just for the fact of – tell me when he signs. Oh, God, those people are the worst. <laughs> and, like, the fact that – so the only commi- decommitments you had were kid from Canada. Um, Lamar Goods. Yeah, and then uh, the Richie Leonard, both early. There was one – the Mincy kid. So I think there was – Three? Gerald Mincy ended up at Florida too. Yeah, but those are all like those are the first three commits. They're very early, right? But once you hit April, then all clear. They had it locked down. It yeah, good and stuff. That, and you know what? That's where Kentucky's good right now. They're not taking like people aren't committing like last year. They, I think all three of those kids were either committed or about to commit. Mm-hmm. So they're dealing with any of that anymore. They're waiting before they're going to you know take any kind of right. commitments. Yeah, I'm worried about. It's about recruiting season coming up. We've got about a month or so, but then it really starts getting cranked up in April. Yeah. And, and the new calendar over the summer where they can do the official visits now has really changed a lot. They've the changed the landscape. Uh, and I think where you're going to see it too, like it, is people taking trips to visit for spring practice on Saturdays. Yes. I think you're going to see a lot of that, um, which makes me even wonder if, like, they'll do – I guess they still – Have they announced when the spring game's going to be yet? It's always a Friday in mid-April. Mm-hmm. I, I saw Clemson announce theirs, so I figured. I'm sure the all SEC be out soon. they'll release a TV schedule. They're 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 waiting a little bit. Well, it's because ACC Network now. I, That's Louisville, true. Louisville fans they got their first taste of how the networks do the schedule mm-hmm. releases. They had theirs today, and they're like, "Really? Is this how we're going to have to do it? Can we get the spring game off Masters weekend? Probably not. Um, why? That's my only. That's my only issue." I love the Friday night spring game. Hate that they put it but on they, Masters they weekend. They aren't playing golf that night, though. Yeah, but us Louisvillians have to commute. Oh, look, it, it's Friday at the Masters. It's not that. Like, it's just Friday. It's still the Masters. And besides, oh, if you're going to complain anything about the Masters, just complain that they don't start coverage till 3 in the afternoon. Oh, I have plenty of complaints God, about the Masters. God, what a bunch of idiots running that show. Um, no, at least they're letting women in now, though. Do you like it on Friday night? Yeah, I like Friday night. Yeah, I do, too. Well, and especially because, like, I'm used to Friday night football games. Like, it's just – there's a – There's a buzz in the air. There's, an, there's like, a, an association to it. Mm-hmm. And if it was on – And that's usually when the weather's starting to get nice. And you get Keeneland the next day. Like, there's no competition yes. with Keeneland. Yes. And, like, I think an idea – because I've, I've done the Keeneland, do, like, three or four races, and then go to the spring game. And so, it's, I mean, it's great. Absolutely great. The so. first year with Snoops, they did it. That they had the Keeneland doubleheader. You went to Keeneland during the day and then had the spring game that night. Well, and the reason why they had to move it is because one year they did, it was Easter weekend. And they're like, we can't have it oh, on yeah. Saturday. So they move it to Friday and they're like, oh, well, this is a hit. Let's, mm-hmm. let's keep this thing rolling. So 
No dates yet, but uh, we'll we'll find that out later. All right, my my next best surprise, the Ahmad Flagner phenomenon. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I, that was fun. See, you forget about that because it, it was, was so long ago. It was it was, and it really, I think we got it for like the Arkansas Bowden game, and then it wasn't like such a regular occurrence mm-hmm. after that. Now it still showed its head at, at the perfect opportunities, like the one at the Belk Bowl. My God, that. Whew. That was that was a huge PI that kept it because it was like third and eighteen or something. That's yeah, that was, that, <laughs> that was a huge that's PI. That's the one regret I think for the season is that we just didn't get to see where that train was going. Yeah. Cause just him with Terry would have been fun. Right. It'd been so much fun. And it's a shame, you know, you can't get the other year of eligibility with mm-hmm. him. For me, go next with just Eddie Grand's adjusted scheme. To do what he was able to do and to craft up this offense. And I think what they just did, there's been a lot of people out there that are on the Stoops can't coach kind of wagon. I think them putting a receiver at quarterback and winning eight games and setting all these rushing records really should shut all that crap up. Well, and Grand, he, you saw what he did. He had his own stuff and he went back and watched film and he, and he, put all these boards together, and he became a chess master this year with this attack. And I think it was I think it was really impressive. I was surprised by it, and I think it's something where Kentucky's going to keep a lot of these elements, especially when they get Joey Gatewood in the lineup because he can kind of do some of the same stuff. The, part, the, the, the crew of Stoops Can't Coach and, like, the, well, it's not fun or sexy or whatever, like – that's the only thing that bugs me about all these preseason top 25s with Louisville in it. It's like you're following, like, oh, you 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 like Scott Satterfield because he's just a good old country-talking boy. Like, is that what it is? Because if you want smoke and mirrors, like, what, what more do you want than a receiver playing quarterback? Mm-hmm. Can You you couldn't ask for a more exciting bowl game. Like, I mean, Kentucky was second-ranked pass defense in America last year. Like, what, what do you need sexy for you get praised about that at other places. That's the part that annoys me are those kind of double standards. And just, I, you know, I've been beating my chest on the Eddie Grand table for a long time. Like, you want to talk about a lesson in doing this job, and that's being patient and, like, looking at the big picture of things is mm-hmm. whenever things were not going great for the offense back in 2018, you kind of looked at the big picture, and it's like, you know, they're not putting up a lot of points, but they're actually moving the ball well, and then they shoot themselves in the foot. And, like, everything from – like, what, what, what more do you want the coach to do? 2018 for the offense had three chapters. They started the year hot. They kind of got figured out there in the middle of the season and hit a wall, busted through that wall, and then finished the season hot. Yeah. And, and that's what good coaching is. Mm-hmm. And some of it's also that's what happens when you have a first-year quarterback. That and you have a running back who you're riding hard and just – Legs get tired. Offensive line, yeah. legs get tired. Yeah. And then you saw after they got a bye, after they got to recoup, the schedule softened a little bit. Then you saw them get back ramped up. Well, and here, here's the thing, too. Like it, I'm going to call BS on your uh, – ooh, I'm surprised that Eddie Green figured out. Because that's what Eddie Green does. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it ever since he got well, here. Just His to, scheme has never been the same. But yeah. this this one yeah. is obviously the most just, bizarre. Yeah, just to, to put in uh, – their spin on a pretty much a triple option offense, and to accomplish what they accomplished was mighty impressive. And it makes you wonder what if they go to yeah. it two games earlier. 
It really does. And that brings up my one of my big negatives, and that's the all-systems failure at South Carolina. That's That surprised me. That shocked me. Now, everybody at KSR predicted that loss in the preseason. <laughs> yes. And I think it was all of us just it has to come to an end eventually. But South Carolina wasn't that much better than Kentucky. And to see the just – it made me really worry that things were just going to become unhinged. And it made me legitimately worry, like – was 2018 the best it's going to get? Just from a – like, I knew they had the personnel there. But, you know, like, locker rooms are – they're fragile places. And in, in football, when things get going south, that momentum – I feel like the trains are getting off the tracks. Once yeah. they're off the tracks, it's, it's, it's hard to put them back it's on. It's really hard to put them back on. And to see the way that it was just a disaster on all fronts, I, I didn't see that coming. I could see Starkville – you know, you got that sorry Smith or like quarterback. We the don't know hangover. how healthy it is. Yeah, you, you see, but South Carolina, I was shocked by that game. Mm-hmm. I, and if they were going to lose, I thought they were going to lose close. And it was one of those things where you looked at Sawyer Smith and you thought after that game, you're like, well, what can they do? Because he obviously can't play quarterback right now. He just the can't. offense was so bad. I and, mean, it and was I bad. It, it, and even Lynn Bowden when he had that final drive where they went down the field and avoided a shutout because. I think it was Rodriguez who actually scored the touchdown. But you're yes. like, well, I mean, maybe they can try this Lynn Bowden thing. But you just didn't know how much they were willing to do that. And luckily, they had enough bye week, and Vince Merrow had enough capital to – Eddie, come on. Come on, Eddie. Come on, Mark. Let's do, come on, Stu. Let's, let's put in <laughs> Bowden. Which, by the way, I have – like, folks, I have a great story that's ready to be written on how that all came about. I just got to have the time to do it. So that's coming down the pike. But it's – the the story of how that came to be is hilarious, I think, but also awesome. So I'm I'm looking forward to writing. That's going to be one of those that when I have my portfolio of like, okay, here's something good. I want other people to read down the road. That's going to be in there. So just just put that in your uh, put put a pin in that one. Adam. All right. Uh, what surprise you got next? Max Duffy. Oh, good one. Becoming good the best one. punter in the country. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, bottom line. And to the joy we got out of watching Pony this year. <laughs> see, and I, I think that's even more so because we knew he was good. But to see him, like, punt across his body and for us to just be so freaking pumped, like. For me to be sitting at Missouri game and to hear fans saying, hell with it, just punt it on third down. <laughs> <laughs> Quick kick, they'll never see it coming. <laughs> just punt it, flip the field. Oh, man. I, uh, the, and when he, I forget what game it was he didn't take off. Where I was just Missouri, like, I think. No, he took off Missouri. It was South Carolina, wasn't it? It was one of those road games. Was it Georgia? Might have been Georgia. No, it, I don't know. It's, it's going to drive me nuts. Louisville, there was a chance to take off. It might have been Florida because it was it was early on that he didn't take one, and I was like, "Duh, come on, you got to take one." And then he took the one in Missouri, almost it, and that led one. to uh, or damn it, I'm going to get this. It was Arkansas. He 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 tucked it and ran right. It was Missouri. He, I think he almost did it against Arkansas. I think that's where we're, that we're at. See, we found our way there. Mm-hmm. It took us a little bit of a while. But that, that's right. That's right. Because, yeah. And then it ended up – that was a drive that was a dagger because Bowden got another touchdown. Right. Man. Max Duffy. Thoughts and prayers to his uh, home country right now, too. A lot of wildfires. A lot of crazy stuff happening. And apparently he's so back good. there. I guess, I guess he's back in at UK now going to classes. He was getting needles stuck in his head. He's an odd bird, man. <laughs> I worry about that guy, though, because you know that 
the one concussion he got at UK, he's probably had 20 playing Aussie football. Oh, yeah. Those dudes knocked the crap out of each other. Oh, man. We got one more year of him. Yeah, luckily. Uh, my next big surprise, Calvin Tamar Jr. was the SEC leader in sacks with a week to play. Yeah. <laughs> like No one saw that coming. I mean, I, I remember tooting his horn going into the 2018 season. Like, this dude's going to be good. But never did my – Wildest dreams did I imagine that he would be leading the league in sacks at one point. Never. So good on you, Calvin. He ended up winning. Tell a story. I, I, I would argue that development story is better than the one with Josh Allen. Especially because, because he just Because Josh Allen had the body and the athleticism yeah. where you could see it. Calvin Taylor is not a defensive Does not player. look like a football like – when they brought him on campus, he did not look like a – Oh, he, he definitely had the look of the guy who's going to transfer after two years. Like, he's a project. We'll see. Right. We've got the scholarship, mm-hmm. but that ain't going to work out. You know, he's going to go – no offense to, like, your John Gruenschlagers of the world or, you know, your John Crocs. Like, but those experiments weren't going to last. Calvin Taylor, it worked. It worked. It worked well. Really well. I mean, and I think he was only behind uh, Kirkland from Tennessee. No, it was uh, – Grenard ended up passing him. Grenard, was it? Okay, okay. From Florida. Dude, transfer. Dude's pretty good. And for me, the next one was Christopher Rodriguez's production after spending half the season in the doghouse. That's a good one. Listen, That's a really good listen one. Listen to these numbers. In the final four regular season games, Rodriguez put up 384 yards, 42 rushes, 9.14 yards per carry with two 100-yard gains. So – Limbone gets a lot of the credit for that rushing offense, and it's all well-deserved, but the backs really stepped it up. It was Rodriguez at the end of the year that ended up being the kind of like, whoa, guy. Right. He Tennessee game, he came on and was like a big guy in that, in that fourth quarter mm-hmm. on that last drive. Runs for over 100 yards at Vanderbilt. Has that big run against Louisville. Has another big game against them. And just seeing him now, we all think he's going to develop into this short yardage plow back, but he showed this year, I think, that he has some bursts. He's got a little burst, and we thought he's he got had. a little giddy up, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at all the guys on UK's roster, who you would project to maybe turn into that legit RB one, 200 plus carry guy, thousand yard rusher, he'd be. I think he'd be the guy you would pick. We'll obviously talk about it more uh, at a later time, but. You kind of you, you think it's going to be committee approaching him next year? Yeah, I do. It's probably for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I, I think you're right in that he can be the one. Like he can be the every down back to a Smoke's change of pace because mm-hmm. Smoke's really explosive. He he can move in between the tackles, but he's at his best in space. Right. Like you see Rodriguez, he seems like a guy that could be that that workload back. Potentially. And you know what's crazy, too? That what's going to make Benny Snell even – like the legend of him is going to be even more incredible is that the the amount of talent in the running back room for the years to come, they're not going to need to make anybody a one-man wrecking ball. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, unless the, the next Herschel Walker is walking through that door, like Kentucky's going to be a lot – like right, nobody's well, going to have to take 29, 35 In, in today's again. football, you – don't necessarily really want that. If you're able to recruit this position well, you should be able to rotate guys in because that means later in the season you're going to have fresh legs in November mm-hmm. when teams are starting to wear down. And running back's a high volatility position because mm-hmm. of 
just the physicality and the toll you take in a year. So Kentucky's been fortunate with injuries in that position. Yes. It, but you never know when they're going to pop up, so you always need to have numbers no, there. Luckily, they and have you, the numbers now. <laughs> well, yeah, when you look at next year, they got all kinds of numbers yeah, when yeah. all that production they returned. So he was one of my surprises because beginning of the year, you, you thought, well, it's going to be like A.J. Rose's for Richard freshman year where he doesn't really play, and mm-hmm. then we'll see if he can reset in the off season and become something next year. But he ended up becoming something at the end of the year that year, and I think at the end of the year last year, and I think that's a really good – sign for the future my next big surprise was the matter in which Kentucky ripped the soul out of Scott Satterfield and his little tots at the University of Louisville we knew that Kentucky was in a win we were pretty confident Kentucky was in a win you were like you know what this could be a blah I wanted to believe it but I was like they still have put up points this year you know like there was but to completely dominate them. Now, I know that obviously the rain certainly probably played a little bit of a factor. Um, them all getting, you know, food poisoning or whatever you want to call it, getting sick a few days certainly didn't help them at all. But to completely manhandle them, just like they manhandled them when they didn't have, like when they were a uh, uh, dead man walking without Bobby Petrino. I mean, that was the same manner of blowout in back to back years. To me, it wasn't the. Obviously, they ran for that many yards and averaged 10 yards per play or something stupid. On, and they only threw the ball two times. Right. But we knew that was a gross mismatch in Kentucky's favor on that side of the ball. Yeah. What surprised me was just defense. They just physically, I think, beat Louisville up in that game. <laughs> it's demoralizing. Yeah. And Louisville did some good things on offense. They had some nice skill talent, and they were able to – get a few big plays, but for the most part, they just couldn't stand up in the middle of the ring with Kentucky and hold their ground. They they would get blown back, and they, they got beat up a little bit. Their, Mikhail Cunningham got knocked out of the game after taking a big hit on a sack, and they just they just didn't ha- have it physically on that side of the ball, I think. On really both sides of the ball, but that side of the ball was, I think, the most surprising part of the game and was the reason that it got so ugly. I um... – I also just thoroughly enjoy that win too. Like beating rivals well, is in so that, in that fashion. Oh, it's where the last once Bolden comes out the half and hits that big run where he breaks thirty eight thousand tackles to go up twenty four thirteen. Louisville gets the ball back, doesn't do anything. You know, right there, it's over because they can't stop the run. You know, <laughs> so to win in that fashion and then to be able to run it up a little bit when you're really not even trying to run it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that was, was I think that was for the few fans that were there because the weather was so bad I think that's going to be experience people yeah. aren't going to forget being in that drenched cold weather and watching Kentucky beat the crap out of Louisville I think it's going to be something that you're going to fans are going to remember I think we're going to hear people talk about that game as one of their favorite games ever as the years go on and it's significant from a hey Scott you're just Think you can come in here and, and turn them Oh, the, the L's down. Oh, my God. we got God. the L's down what shot. A <laughs> what a wiener. What a That's so funny. Oh, man. What a great game. That was that was so much fun. You want A big part of the season, Luckett, was that we knew that the back end of the schedule was really light for Kentucky. And you just – there was some anxiety, some personal anxiety I had, like, all right, but they, they got to close the deal. And they really did. Mm-hmm. 
close it in tremendous fashion. If you're going to have a season two. And that's with a Tennessee heart yeah. crushing loss in the mix. And, and here's the thing, Luckett, is the way you look at a season, it's much more important to finish strong than to start fast and finish with a whimper. I mean, because it gives you momentum to go bring into the offseason, especially for us to talk about it too, right? You know, and on the recruiting front, when you're hosting all those really talented guys from the state of Kentucky, like it helps. Yeah, it's momentum. And you don't think they didn't bring out Calvin Taylor, Castellano, and TJ Carter and that belt bow trophy on purpose? Yeah, that would be wrong. Good. Yes, that was got good. All right, Lucky, what you got? Secondary, lose Devontae Robinson. We came on the podcast and be like, man, they might be in trouble. This year. And it yeah. ended up being one of the strengths of the team, man. Yeah. That's wild. Yusuf Corker, I think, was a very pleasant surprise at free safety. Brandon Eccles had a bad belt bowl. But other than that, he played yeah. really well. Yeah. I think Cedric Dort quietly in that last month of the season really cemented himself as a legit SEC cornerback. I PFF think he's going to be really good great next grades. year. Yeah. He's going to be a guy I'm going to be really high on going into next season. And I, I like Jamari Brown really well early on because he wasn't afraid to come up and hit somebody. Right. And, and um, folks, I was really worried watching those guys practice earlier. Like, Eccles was the well, only like, – Eccles was the only guy to, that could guard people. Go back to Toledo game. Whew. Brown was – I think thought he was in cover two when they were in <laughs> – like, was I think it was two-man – so they, he just stops, and the guy runs straight down the field, God. and no one was there. And you're just like, well, it might be one of those years for the <laughs> secondary. And they figured it out, man. And props to Klinkscale, props to Dean Hood, who's now at Murray State. By the way, Murray State goes to Louisville next year. Oh. oh that, wouldn't that be great? Hey, he took Kentucky the, to the ropes. Hopefully they bring the dumb horse mascot with them. Oh, that was funny. That was really funny. Um, I don't – I have one more big. Surprise. I have one. I have one more. Okay, hit me. Just Brad White as defense coordinator. Yeah, that was a storyline talking in the year where you're like, how we much? all thought we all liked it. Like I liked it a lot, but you never know. You have to see it. Yeah, yeah. And I have some numbers for you, man. I have S and P adjusted efficiency numbers all the way back through 05. So the highest number Kentucky got obviously was last year's defense, which finished 15th. The second highest was this year's defense. So, just from a historical context. Wait, wait, wait. Repeat that again. The highest number, highest defense efficiency rating that Kentucky ever had was the 2018 Josh Allen defense. Yes. The second highest from 2005 to 2019. Is so this one. Was this year's defense. And I'm sure it wasn't too far behind either. It was, yeah, it was about 15 or 19 spots behind. It finished 34th <laughs> per SP+. Plus. So, the second best defense that we've seen in recent history in Kentucky was this year, what Brad White put together with brand new secondary. <laughs> well, just a kind of a mashed together unit almost. When all those pieces you had to replace, significant injury loss with Devontae Robinson in the beginning of the season. You had a defensive line that you needed to be the strength that really hadn't been a strength yet, and they just figured it out on the fly. And I think he's really good, man. So, <laughs> and moving forward, now you got him locked in and you got your offense coordinator locked in. Rock and roll. It's good. It feels good right now to be a Kentucky football fan. Uh, and this brings us to the greatest surprise of this season, the one that nobody saw coming, Terry Wilson's injury and subsequent development of Bowden Ball. Because when Devontae Robinson got injured, we were arguing what would be 
It was one of the most irreplaceable players. Mm-hmm. Behind him, only Lynn Bowden or Terry Wilson. Right. And one of them got hurt in the second game of the season. It gets a guy that we, we enjoy some Chris Creighton ball. Some factory knocking down cinder blocks, all that good <laughs> stuff. It happens in that game. Be tough. And Kentucky was really without a cause for a while. And you want to talk about deflating. It was one of those things, too, like when it happened, it didn't look that bad. But the way that everybody reacted around it, it was like, oh, God. Right. Ugh. Brace yourselves. Mm-hmm. You know? And like and that whole offseason, you know, the first two games are important. But that team was gearing up. Oh, man. To beat, they wanted to beat Florida again to prove it wasn't a He fluke. was looking great in that game, too. Because mm-hmm. in the first game, it was a lot of just like, we're going to let Terry throw it. We're not going to run him a lot. Second game, they they let him, they utilized that run build. He let him get comfortable. And then to just have the rug pulled out from under you. Yeah, it just, ugh. Yeah, because as a team and a program, I think they were gearing up. They had big ESPN coming in. And they were ready to prove that that wasn't a fluke, that – they should have. They were better than Florida last year, and were better than them again this year. And that happens right before you can get there. It just was deflated. I think it's a great sign for the team that they came. They still rallied together and put yeah. together. Eight one season should have almost, you know, arguably beat Florida. I'm yeah. talking about just the next week. Then you lose that on top of Terry. It just just takes all the wind really, out. Of the really board. deflating. Yeah, um, but they still rallied. They still rallied for an incredible finish to the season. Um, uh, and we'll be happy to talk about it more throughout the rest of the offseason because we got a ways to go. And I, I feel like we got off. This is a good start to offseason football podcasting, sir. we got a long offseason ahead, man. Oh, and we still went an hour and 20. I'm going to be a little bit snappier with some of these. And we'll, maybe the coaching carousel will eventually Hey, long out. sustained drives. Oh, yeah. LSD, baby. <laughs> LSD. <laughs> Well, this has been a lot of fun. We appreciate y'all tuning in. We'll be back next week with another episode of 11 Personnel. For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats. Go Kroger.